You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM. You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM, Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Francesca. Francesca is a yoga therapist and an advocate for mental health. She currently resides in Hawaii, and then will be on her way to India. We'll be right back with Francesca, but first, let's talk about reaching out. This past week, I've reached out to friends, like last week and a half. I talked to you guys last week about being down, and I sent an email to everyone saying I'm feeling kind of blue. Do you guys want to meet up for coffee? That's when I have time. And a whole bunch of people got back to me, which felt really, really good, because I kept thinking, well, who's available? It's all I have is morning hours, and my friends all work. And instead, 15 people got back to me right away, and were like, I'll come. I know that I'm not alone, and I know that I have a lot of friends. Like, on an intellectual level, I know I'm not, that I all I have to do is send a little message, and I'll get all this love back. But somehow, I, I get stuck in... Blah, and then I don't reach out, and then it seems like too much to do to even just craft a message and send it. And so I just looked up an article about reaching out, and this is from Psych Central, and they say four ways to reach out when depressed, and it's by Graham Cohen. One, talk to those around you. You don't have to formally inform someone that you feel like you have clinical depression. Instead, you can simply say that things have been a bit tough for you lately and that you're struggling to cope. Ask if they can listen to you without judging for a while, and then tell them how you feel and what you're going through. You may be surprised how supportive, empathetic, or understanding your family member or friend may be. Exactly. Like, I put it out there, people showed up, and a couple people were like, yeah, I'm having a really hard time too. And then the second thing is join a support group. There's nothing like being able to talk with someone who really understands what you're going through. Fellow travelers, those who also live in depression or bipolar... There are specialized depression or bipolar groups and those that support all mental health challenges. Ironically, I run one of those groups called the Depression Session Tucson, which I have not organized anything in a couple of months. I actually want to find someone in the group who wants to take on some of the organizing stuff because I feel like I don't feel up for that. Three is call a support line or reach out online. There are many groups that provide total anonymity and support from either trained counselors or people who have been through depression and survived. Suicide Prevention Lifeline in the U.S., 800-273-TALK, or the worldwide network of Befrienders at www.befrienders.org backslash need to talk. And then in Tucson, Hope has a warm line. And it's 520-770-9909, and you can just call anonymously or otherwise just to get support. And then the fourth thing that they offer is to read others' stories. Reading the documented struggles of others from all walks of life when it comes to depression can help provide you with a sense of both perspective and scale. Not only are you not alone, many more people are afflicted than you may have initially thought. And that's why this show is so good for me. 
just hearing people's stories and knowing like, wow, yeah, I completely relate to that. And no, that's not me, but I know what it feels to be depressed. I know what they're going through. Mine just manifests differently. And so there's the breadth and scope of depression and how many people have it in how many different ways. It's been really great doing this show because I do feel like you're not alone. There's lots of people out there who are struggling with all sorts of things. And so reaching out really for me has been something that on all those different ways I've I've been reaching out and then I kind of fell flat at the end of the summer <laughs> rolling into another year that I just I don't feel excited about things. So I'm trying to figure out what that is and come up with something else. So that's all I have this this week, guys, and thanks for listening. And um, let's get back to Francesca. Today we have with us in the studio Francesca. Francesca is a yoga therapist and an advocate for mental health. She's currently in Hawaii with some chickens in the background. (laughs) And then she'll be on her way to India. Hello, Francesca, and welcome to the depression session. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. What do you want to share with our viewers? What's going on with you? Yeah, so again, thanks for having me. And thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story. As you've mentioned, as your show talks about these things, mental health and depression isn't talked about enough, but so many people experience it. So it's a really important subject. So as you mentioned, I am a yoga therapist and I see students virtually and I do online sessions with them. I enjoy working with people on the emotional and psychological level. I find I can connect most deeply with people from this place. So as a yoga therapist, I'm trained to work with people one-on-one and I help people recover from injuries. I help them build a home yoga practice. And then I really enjoy helping people with working through um, depression, anxiety, any trauma, recovery of any sort. And I really like working with people who are beginners and don't consider themselves yoga people. Yoga people is in air quotes. (laughs) There's a ton more information online at my website. It's francescamichelle.com. Michelle is with two L's. And then a new project that I'm working on is Frenchie Gold, and uh, that's at frenchiegold.com. Brand new, just started it about a month ago. So Frenchie Gold is kind of like your superhero alter ego self, or for me at least she is. (laughs) Um, She's super playful, super down to earth, and she's an advocate for mental health and for recovery, and she's committed to ending any stigma around mental health. So just like you, she... It's me, really, but she encourages you to share your story, and uh, through the sharing, it's a way to heal and then inspire and connect to others, which is what your article was about today, about reaching out. So again, that's at FrenchieGold.com, and it's in its baby stages right now, but it's forming very slowly, slowly but surely. So it's for people to like share a story, read a story. I'm sure there'll be people who 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 just go on and and read what's there, right? And some people and read what's there. Yeah. yeah. Right now, I have just a couple blog posts up. I'm going to put this radio show up there. I'm sort of fleshing out what exactly it is. So figuring it out as I go. I'm a recovering perfectionist and just letting it <laughs> unfold as it is. So it's really nice. It's really healing actually to do it like this. Well, from one perfectionist to another, sometimes it's wonderful just to jump in. <laughs> I I was being really honest last week and saying, yeah, I just kind of jumped into this. I didn't have any sound editing experience or anything. I just thought, well, I'll have a radio show about depression. Exactly. My mantra has been, it doesn't have to be perfect. (laughs) 
<laughs> and in that, there there is some beauty. I mean, I think that you were talking about like the air quotes yoga people, and sometimes that can be a whole other form of perfectionism. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Is that part of why you like to work with people who haven't done? Is that part of why you enjoy that, who haven't done a lot of yoga? I like to work with people who are brand new to it because I I enjoy teaching someone from the ground up. I really enjoy teaching fundamentals and I'm really good at it. I've also been told I'm really good at it. So it's just, it's just really fulfilling. I think that's probably the main reason why. Well, Francesca, can you share the story of your depression with us? Sure. So again, thanks Laura for having me. And first thing I want to say about depression is to heal. I'll say the second time around, I didn't take my depression on as a label. So a little bit of background. When I was diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety at age 15, I took this label to heart and I allowed it to define me. And I really identified with it. And I think at that age, we're just really malleable because we don't know any better. You know, we're just 15, <laughs> 16, whatever it is. And I think that even if I was aware of the danger of a label at that point in my life, I couldn't have even helped but be influenced by it anyways. I went in and out of depression for the next 13 years. And this eventually inevitably led to a final mental breakdown. This is about two and a half years ago. And I hit my absolute bottom with it. So I was re-diagnosed in mid-2015 with severe major clinical depression. And this time around, this is when I chose not to let it define me, not to take that label on. The difference also with this second time of being diagnosed was it, I felt an immediate sense of relief because it had been 13 years since that first diagnosis. I consciously chose to not take on depression as a label. It was also really helpful because it gave me a reason and a, an a outline and understanding for why I was having such a hard time because up until that point I had always just denied my true feelings and how I was really feeling there was always this buffer or barrier that prevented me from fully feeling depressed and I was always denying it always pushing it away rather than working toward accepting it facing it the story that I would like to tell is about one particular night, and this is one of my lowest nights of depression, and it actually occurred a few months, maybe five, six months, something like that, before I reached this final bottom that, I'm, that I referenced. Another thing I want to share that has really helped me this time around in my depression is taking responsibility for myself and my actions, and my brain, and my body chemistry. I manage my emotional state now, my emotional levels now, by watching what I take into my body and what I consume through all of my senses. So I don't have hardly any caffeine, no alcohol, no tobacco, nothing like this, nothing that's too stimulating, nothing too dampening or depressing. And I really try to check in with myself at least once a day. If I go a day or two without it, I really notice. So I just really try to get honest with myself. I try to check in with myself once a day. If I go a day or two without checking in, I really notice it. And when I check in, I just try to notice how I'm feeling, just on, get an honest assessment of how I'm feeling. So if I'm feeling depleted or low or maybe high energy or I'm feeling pretty balanced. And I find that this time around, I'm really thankful that I'm able to 
check in, slow down enough, and and just acknowledge how I'm feeling, whatever that is, um, rather than trying to push it away or deny it. I was the queen of denial, lying to everybody, lying to myself about it. And then also practically, I try to get more on the practical side, rather, I try to get at least an hour or so of exercise every day. So I walk, I do yoga, I love to roller skate. It's like my favorite thing ever to do, so I do that. So like I said, it was really helpful to get the second diagnosis because it gave me a framework to begin to understand what was happening for me. And it also, another thing that helps me is to understand the symptoms of depression so that I can name what's going on for me. Sometimes it just feels like I'm feeling something, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it's called, it feels really weird. So looking at the symptoms are helpful. I just did a quick Google search before this interview to look at some of the classical symptoms of depression and reduced self-esteem and confidence, having ideas of guilt, feeling unworthy, having negative thoughts, disturbed sleep, low appetite, having ideas of self-harm, all these things. Everyone's familiar with that who has experienced depression. So yeah, I, I too experienced pretty much all of these and then some, some of the other symptoms that I personally experienced that I would just like to share when I was at the very bottom of my depression was extreme social isolation. I had at that point pushed almost everybody away, like almost literally everybody in my life. It got so bad that for quite a while I was thinking about suicide about every 15, 20 minutes. So quite often it was awful, as you can imagine. I felt like no one could handle me. I felt like no one in the world could possibly understand what I was going through, what I felt. I would cry for hours almost every single night. And I, I felt really embarrassed about how bad I had let it get. I felt self-conscious about being alive. Like I didn't want to be in this world. I felt like everyone hated me. And I just felt like I was trapped in my body, trapped in my mind. There was no way out. And then on top of all that, I had I was in denial about all these things at the same time. So there's that layer. And then I had way too much pride to get help. So I was just in this really, I don't know if it's a unique situation, but it felt pretty intense at the time. So the story that I'd like to share, I, looking back now, I can call it kind of a dark night of the soul and a dark night of the soul classically can be explained as a spiritual crisis where a person They feel abandoned by God. They just feel a lack of connection to God or the universe or whatever it is. They just feel cut off. So I'm I'm not a person of any specific faith, but I'm nonetheless a really spiritual person. I've been practicing yoga for 11 plus years. I'm really interested in self-inquiry my whole life and now more so than ever. But I call this evening a dark night of the soul because I experienced what it felt like to be 100, 1000% cut off from everything in the world. And I experienced what it felt like to be completely lonely, completely separate with no connection to anything. And I guess this is like the uh, definition of extreme isolation, not aloneness or anything, but loneliness, isolation, feeling cut off. And another really important part of another characteristic of a dark night of the soul is that it gives way to the brightest next moment. And for me, that it wasn't a moment. That would have been nice. It took many months for this moment to begin to come into reality, but it did come nonetheless. I've actually never told this story to anyone in this full detail, 
I think there's a part of me that's really embarrassed about it. So it was winter 2014, and I found myself one evening absolutely beside myself in loneliness and despair and isolation. And looking back, like I've mentioned, I was in deep denial about my entire life at this point. And I just, I couldn't decide one way or the other what to do with myself, and I couldn't even think straight. It was just this big, crazy mess in my head. So a few weeks prior to this evening, my studio apartment that I was living alone in had been broken into. So not only did that obviously make me feel really scared and violated, but I was unable to get any like real help because of my depression. The depression that I experienced manifests as an inability to take any action or to, to think clearly. So I came home one day from working and I smelled cigarette smoke in my in my place and it also just felt really different in there like someone had been in there and I went in to investigate further in the French doors that were on the other side that led out to the pool there was just obvious evidence of someone breaking in and I won't go into all the details but it someone definitely broke in there and so I knew at least this much I knew I should go and tell the landlords and they lived right next door to me on the property so I went to get them they were just really laid back about it like very lackadaisical and they didn't even really seem to care or like worry about it too much and they put a new lock on within five minutes and I don't know it it somehow didn't make me feel safer because they were just so lackadaisical so casual about it and looking back now reflecting on this place it wasn't the safest or the healthiest place for me to live there were a lot of shady characters around there and that specific spot where I was living luckily nothing that I know of was stolen nothing was out of place but I Again, I felt really violated and vulnerable, and I just was thinking if someone broke in once, why wouldn't they come back again? So I was living alone. I was by myself. I didn't really have any real friends at the time. I had maybe a few, not really many visitors, and I'd never had a place broken into before, so I just didn't really know what to do, and I think... I just did what I usually do with with things at the time, which was act like nothing happened and just keep going because it was just too much to deal with. I'd also broken up with a long-term boyfriend and we had moved into this place together and he recently moved out. So this was one part of my support system that I didn't have anymore. So to go from living with someone to then being pretty much alone most of the time, except when at work, um, started to send me down into this deep depression. I more or less hated my job at the time and I was, I felt traumatized almost every day by my boss. And I remember I used to sit in my car after work in the parking lot and I would cry really hard for a while because I knew that after work I would just go to my house and I'd be alone with no one to talk to and I would just sit there and cry some more so these are all the things that went into me feeling so utterly awful and that kind of added to this really intense feeling evening one evening after all of these things I found myself just absolutely paralyzed And for whatever reason, the only thing that I could think to do was to sit in the bathroom on the toilet seat. The toilet seat was down. (laughs) And I just sort of crouched there and and sat there and was there for maybe five hours or something. I I don't actually know how long because I was disassociated, but something like a really long time. It wasn't just an hour. It was like the entire evening and through the night until like the morning, like a really long time. And I just did nothing. Like, I didn't have my phone. I wasn't, there was no music, nothing like that. 
and so the the toilet was situated such that it was in between two walls and they were I guess they were like pretty nice walls you know but it was like tight like right around the right around the toilet and I just felt really safe there because I remember someone had just broken in no one was there for me to talk to I had isolated myself completely at that moment and for whatever reason all I could think to do was just sit here in in despair and this pain and I felt like I couldn't even move and if someone did break in like somehow no one would find me in this spot or something like that I I can remember a bit from those hours I vacillated between feeling really intense and really upset and then also feeling really numb and feeling like nothing I did anyway mattered at all I'm guessing that I eventually got up and went to bed and got some sleep just to wake up the next morning, go to work and pretend all over again, like everything was fine. So it wasn't until about six months later that I started seeing really amazing therapists and I got some real help. And I did a lot of other things at that point in my life to get some serious help. Ever since then, I've been able to really manage these depressive symptoms really well. And part of what's come out of this is my desire to share with others my story and what I've gone through and in hopes that somehow it will touch someone who is really in a really dark place like I was, um, who is contemplating suicide, who is having these suicidal ideations, who's maybe engaging in self-harm. I think it's really important, like you mentioned at the beginning of your show, that people do know that there's other people out there that have been through it. And just knowing that isn't enough. Sometimes it's just knowing like that person went through it. So if I can help one person, then it almost makes it all worth it, really. I really feel that way. So in the past years, I've begun to speak out really freely and openly about my past. And since then, a lot of people have come up to me in person. They've private messaged me on Facebook. They've emailed me. They've texted, whatever it is. And they've shared their stories with me. Some of it, maybe they've shared with other people. Um, and they're just wanting to reach out again in a different way to someone else. And some some people, you know, you can tell or they tell me outright, like, I haven't told this to anybody and I just feel like I can tell you. And that's absolutely amazing. That's such an amazing gift. And thank you again so much for just this radio session, these depression sessions that you're doing and for doing what you're doing, showing up every week for yourself, which is incredible showing up for all of the listeners in the Tucson area and for letting me uh, share my story. I really appreciate it, Laura. Thank you. Well, Francesca, thanks so much for your story. I identified with a number of things in there. <laughs> One of them is just the, the shame that comes with having depression. I struggle with that even now. Like, it's, it's really hard when you're depressed not to feel kind of ashamed of being so depressed. Yes. And I can't figure out where that comes from. Like, I know it's this double-edged thing. It kind of cycles in on itself. It's, I'm depressed. I feel kind of dumb about being depressed because I feel like that's something I can do something about, but then I don't go work out or I don't do those things that I know help me. And then I feel dumb for feeling dumb because I know I shouldn't be hard on myself because that's not going to help. Building all these layers of shame about something that's just 
happens. I just get depressed. (laughs) Yes. It's this absolutely insane cycle. And one of the ways that I've personally learned to interrupt that cycle is first of all, slowing down enough and noticing that this is happening and that I'm in the cycle. And then second, doing almost literally the opposite of what I think I should do. (laughs) So if I'm like, I should just stay in bed all day. I should just stay inside all day. I should just like not do this or that. It's like, no, go outside, go on a walk, call your cousin, call your friend, call your mom, call anyone, like something. You have to do something. You have to reach out in some way, which is what you were mentioning earlier in in the show. Yeah, again, just recognizing that something is askew there and and also not identifying with it seems to really help, which is, I think, what I give a lot of credit to the second time around. This depression is not taking it on so much as a label, but inviting it in for tea and sitting down with it and saying, okay, what can I do for you? What's going on? What's up? old friend because I you know a lot of people who have depression or who experience depression they've it's not just a couple days or something I mean it's chronic I mean there's people who have their whole lives they have this depression it's like become this friend for them almost and maybe if we can look at it like a friend or a companion in some way it will reveal different things to us so I relate really strongly to that also I feel like the main thing I've done right with my depression in the last year is just, like you said, invited in as a friend, lean into it and say, hello, what are you doing here? What's going on? Hello, depression. Instead of being angry at it and angry at myself, just go, hi, oh, hey, I, I know what's happening here. Because I feel like depression is this, uh, it, to me, it always feels like a fog when you're talking about that mental clarity it yes. just rolls in and it coats everything and everything's just kind of like not clear. Gray and icky and bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the yeah. like, if I can think of it as fog as like this natural phenomena, then I can just kind of see it coming and like let it roll in and look at it more positively. And like there's something in the fog and, you know, that it's not this awful thing that I have no control over, but it's just, like you said, a friend that you're inviting to tea and sitting down with and seeing, like, oh, what, what do I have to learn here? <laughs> exactly. And the, and the first time I think uh, I tried to really do that, I felt, like, really ridiculous. <laughs> like, to actually do it is something different than, like, knowing that you should do it, you know, talking about it, but to really do it, like, in those moments and remember to do it, you're like, what is happening here? But then it gets easier after that first time, and it starts to transform, in my experience. And then the other thing that I want to talk about is, like, that that early young depression, and I was really interested in what you had to say about, like, these are formative years, and having that label, you took on a whole sounds like persona based on that. I did. I really, really did. And I've had to work really hard the past two and a half years. I mean, it literally feels like I've changed my DNA. I'm changing the way my brain and body operate in this world. Well, that is a perfect way to wrap up the show. I'm enjoying the chicken noises, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're really sweet. Yeah, we have... (laughs) We have pigs here, we have kitty cats, we have 
the chickens, the roosters, all kinds of great animals. They're really sweet. <laughs> oh, and we have a ton of lizards here too. <laughs> well, that's lovely. Well, thank you so much for being on the depression session and sharing your story. Thank you very much, Laura. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septahelix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at the Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.